I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and the other stuff. You're lacking energy to go through the full description. And to answer yes or no as well. <laughs> Why are you lacking energy lately, George? Depression. And we've, we've talked about that as far as me not having the same happy scale that you have. Yes. Yes. Because your happy scale only goes up to like seven or eight. I, I'm looking away like, does it go that high? <laughs> um, think of happier days. Think of when it was good times. Did you get up to seven or eight? I don't know. It's been so long. <laughs> it's, it's been a little minute. Yeah. <laughs> a little minute? Yes. Well, you've had depression for a little minute. I have. And probably always. Yes. And you've had this particular depressive episode that's been a little worse than usual for a little minute. Yes, I have. And the thing with depression is one can be very used to it. And so as it's creeping along and becoming more and more, you don't notice it right away. You Because you're familiar with that feeling. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, eh, you know, it's not like, what is that? Right. You know, like when you when you wake up and you slept wrong because mm-hmm. we're old. Yes. <laughs> and you, you know, say, you, what is that? You, you it, recognize it right away because it's a sudden thing. But no, your depression boils your frog. Yeah. Yeah. It's gradual enough that you, you don't recognize that it's happening. Right. So that's what happened for me is this has probably been happening for a while that I couldn't even tell you. And recently I realized how exactly bad it was. It had had gone farther. Like with the depression, because it's a familiar thing and because meds take care of a lot of it, they don't like completely eliminate it for the rest of your life. No. Um, So this time it got worse is basically what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And once I realized that, then I had the, oh, this is wrong. I need to do something about it. Yes. But before that, I just struggled and struggled and... And oh my gosh, why is everything so hard? And why don't I have any motivation for yeah. anything? And I, I guess I need to use the lamp more, or I need to go on the elliptical more, or I need to take the dog for more walks, or I need to not have any alcohol, or I need to... You need to do all the behavioral things that can help with depression. Yes. But even after doing all those things... For quite a while. You still had some pretty bad depression. I have, Yeah. And I recognized that when I went to do something really fun, and I could not find any fun. All I could find was a pinprick of light in the dark hole I was in. And that's what made me realize. What was the fun thing? Uh, I was out in the snow, and I enjoyed it as much as I could enjoy anything at that moment. Yes. I was glad to be there than be somewhere else. However, I couldn't feel good. The feel good was inaccessible. I'm sorry your good feel was inaccessible. Me too. But you got some of it back by getting better meds or getting meds changed and... Increased. Increased. Yes. Fixing brain chemicals. Yes. Yes. All, all I had to do was uh, contact my doctor. Mm-hmm. Who is very responsive. Yes. And well, when you call the doctor and you leave a message. Yes. And you say, and the person's specialty is mental health, because this is a psychiatrist. Yes. And you say, my depression is increased or overwhelming or too much. And I think I need more help with it. They call you back really fast. 
Yes. As soon as they get the message. Well, as they should anyway. They Your should. office yeah. does. <laughs> yeah. Well, she called back as fast as like you could expect somebody to get a message and then call you. Okay. And so that was good. Mm-hmm. And of course, she did the thing where you check right away. And she said, what's happening? And what do you mean by... So I, I just said, well, I, I can't seem to find any happy at all. I think it was about that rate yeah. of communication. You know, I, there's a lot of stop and start when I'm trying to talk, um, especially so with the depression, because I get to a point and I can't find the thing and then I can't find the energy to want to find the thing. And I realize I have to anyway, but I'm still trying to do it. And, mm-hmm. and I find it very hard to do things. And here's all the things I've been doing. And she said, well, you have done everything possible from from your description. And what I would do is increase your meds. Mm-hmm. But because you take a name brand, I don't know if that'll take a while. And so I suggested a interim alternative until we could deal with that. And even that interim alternative had the miserable delay, which it wasn't long, but when you're in that state of mind... Even a day and a half is... It, it feels really, really long because you're dealing with each moment. Mm-hmm. And it did take a day and a half. And the yeah. problem why we've discussed this before, why you need the name brand of your med is because the time release, however they formulated that time release in the generic, in the generic is giving you insomnia as it continues to release overnight. Yeah. It wakes me up every 45 minutes. Almost on the dot. You can know this if you have an app that tracks your sleep. You can. Yeah. But I can take the one that's not a time release. In the generic. In the generic. The problem is some meds like mine are very short um, half-life. And so the time release makes it a very effective medication. Right. It's good that you had the skills and the experience to recognize that for yourself. But you develop those skills and experience over like decades of living with this and figuring it out for yourself. True. And like you said, you've probably been dealing with depression since you were very tiny. I think so. And a lot of people who are trans and have depression or other mental health challenges struggle to parse those things, to untangle what's what. Did you have a problem with that when you were younger? I didn't find that hard to separate. They seemed like two different things to me. Uh huh. In retrospect... I I imagine that there is some layer of depression that is related to dysphoria. Mm -hmm. And the amount of energy it takes to deal with dysphoria and the unhappiness that brings. I I think that would easily add a layer to anybody's depression. Yes. And I recall that once your transition was underway and you started seeing changes and started being able to be perceived correctly that your depression did lessen and you actually decreased your dosage of your depression med. I did. So it seems like each one makes the other harder to deal with, the dysphoria and the depression. But like you never really had that entangled in your head like a lot of people It's never been entangled in my head. I have to look in retrospect to realize that they would affect each other. Because my I, I saw depression in my family and in other people who did not seem to be trans or have that dysphoria going on. My, my mother was very depressed when she was younger. She was still depressed later, but she had gone to a lot of therapy. She had done a lot of things to improve her life. And 
And I didn't realize at that time, I just saw it as possibly a genetic component. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize her, her depression was likely related in part, if not fully, to very traumatic childhood. Yes. So I assumed my depression was... Inherited. Inherited from her. Right. And that I was stuck with that, which that, I am stuck with it. You, that is correct. And I would, after having seen your mother, not as her child, but as someone meeting her as a adult, I, I would say probably there was some genetic component or some organic component to her depression as well that would have made it harder for her to deal with childhood trauma, that would have made it harder for her to deal with PTSD. But There's no way of knowing. Yeah. It does seem that, you know, just from having met her, that there was some sort of organic challenge going on there as well. Right. But we we have no proof either way. Right. Either way. And what you're saying, though, is you could see the underlying signs of her depression. She also had some very interesting ways of interacting that seemed to indicate that she, that her cognitive functioning was atypical. Mm Mm-hmm. And that word is so often used with, you know, as a euphemism for bad in some way, but no, just different from the norm, like the way her brain was structured, which again may have been a response to trauma or it may have been generational genetic. Who knows? Anyway, you saw your depression as likely having a genetic component as having been inherited from your parents. That's what I thought as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... At the same time, you were realizing that you were trans, but it was it was a separate thing. It wasn't... It, in my mind, it was a separate thing. Okay. In some people's minds, it is entangled with each other yes. to the point that one is causing the other in their mind. Mm-hmm. In my mind, it never seemed that my being trans was causing my depression. Yes. Or my depression was affecting my dysphoria. And I think it was good that you understood in your head that even though gender dysphoria and depression can be related for you at that time, they were still somewhat compartmentalized. Yes. I have an idea that should they have been intertwined, that I would often think of my dysphoria in my depression. Okay. Wishing that things were different. Yes. So I could have relief. Uh Uh-huh. And all I thought during depression was, this sucks. How do I get out of it? So depending on how far you're going to sink while you're depressed, which you don't know until it's happening, right? you eventually get to a point where you can't even think about how you want it to stop. You just know that you're still sinking and you're waiting to see if that's going to stop. But at no point was I thinking, and if only my life was different. Right. You didn't associate it with any sort of environmental or gender or anything else. You didn't think, I could make this better by making my life better. No. I thought, this is depression. That is mental illness. I don't know what to do. I think it was advantageous to you to have a mother who was aware of mental health and mental illness and who was getting treatment for her own mental health so that you could have that awareness when you were growing up. Even if Having a mother with mental illness was not the best. You know, my mother's approach at that point was therapy, which is not a bad idea. No. But I think it would have been helpful if 
way, way, way before I discovered medication was helpful. Somebody had said, hey, let's try medication. And somebody might have done that without this other... Yeah, I, I could see that. ...approach going on. How... You're the one with the psych degree. How common was medication for depression at that time? I mean, the the field as a whole was still kind of in recovery from a handful of pseudoscientific practices. I think we weren't at the Prozac phase, okay? We weren't all gung-ho medication, pass it out to everybody. Right. We weren't at that phase. Right. But there were medications available. So I, I can see how that you're saying that that wasn't beneficial to you because at the time what you needed was not the type of therapy that was available and not that wasn't the primary. Therapy in and of itself never even remotely cured any of my depression. It did help me make discoveries about myself. Mm -hmm. It did help me correct some of the triggers, but it never took away my depression. Right. And I think... That is another important distinction to make, that therapy is for addressing behavior patterns and thought patterns, but it's not for addressing chemical imbalances. Correct. That said, it did help you address some behavior and thought patterns. It did. It did help me with that. And you started seeing... My mother had a friend who was a school psychologist, a good friend, and... They did some work together in a separate business. So I think she must have recognized my depression and probably asked me about it. And my mother, being familiar with that, um, probably asked things too. And so they sent, they somehow, they got me set up with a school psychologist at my high school. Mm -hmm. And I went to see the funny little guy in his office every week. I think sometimes more than once a week. Probably. I don't remember... It helping, but it was a good escape when I was overwhelmed by the depression and couldn't function in class. So there you go. (laughs) It wasn't harmful either. In hindsight, you said that he employed a lot of tactics that you as a professional now know are generally good for people who have a hard time explaining themselves or describing their feelings. Mm -hmm. Things that you would generally do with much smaller children, but because you had underdeveloped communication skills, which I blame on your mother. Yeah, you can. I can. You didn't meet the rest of my family. I had more than one influence. I'm sure. <laughs> well, but everybody was talking over each other at your house. None of that was happening at my house. Oh, my gosh. See, and the thing is, I don't know if it was over as much as it was like it was a tapestry. Like there was a tapestry of conversation. Some of it was over. Some of it was under. Some of it was woven through and around and in between. And, and everybody was paying attention to everything. Well, here's the key, though. They were paying attention. Yeah, that's true. You know, because we often try to correct our children to wait until we're done talking before they start talking. Yeah. And their purpose for talking at the same time is because they don't care what we're saying or what we're saying to each other. Oh, my gosh. They want to say what they have to now. I should not have given our boy, number two child, the phone while you were still talking earlier. He, like, I finished with what I was trying to problem solve on his phone, and so I just set it down there for him. And he picked it up and quit listening to you. <laughs> and I said, okay, now what did your father just say? And he repeated the last four words that you had said. You said, it's a problem that you do this thing. I said, what did your father just say? And he says, this is the thing, but that's not a problem because I do X, Y, Z. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was totally my fault for setting the phone down, though. He he, to- he quit paying attention the minute he saw it. Yep. So, yeah, you you were able to derive some benefit, but it was not the benefit that you needed to remedy your depression. That is absolutely correct. Neither were the next several therapists I went to. Some of which were good and some of which were crap, as you've described to me. Yes, some of each. And now that you're a professional, like, what are some things that you might think of as being like red flags or being green flags or like look for this or avoid that from your own experiences? From my experience, you you just in general need to feel absolutely comfortable with that person. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to tell them a lot of things that you don't just generally run around talking about, hopefully. So after you had been to therapy for a decade or two, while you were in grad school getting your master's in psychology, you did finally discover medication, as did half of my class, and there weren't that many of us. It's not unusual for people in my field to have either trauma or other mental health challenges or have dealt with somebody in our immediate family with that or all of the above. It's my experience that the more you study psychology, the more you needed to study psychology. It's often true. It's Uh, it's not 100% true, but it's often true. It's a a bit of a... Generalization. Yeah. But you see that in in my field in education as well. Like the the more ed psych courses someone took, the more they needed to figure themselves out just as much as they did anyone else. The well, more- not not all schooling requires you to have your own therapy. True, it should. I think it should. And it was here's my air quotes highly recommended that you were in therapy. Now, by all schooling, do you mean all? Uh, All psych schooling and social work schooling should require you to be in therapy. Now, that said, you might get a crap therapist and not know it. True. And so back to that part. You have to really feel comfortable with the therapist. If you, In the back of your mind somewhere, you, you have questions that you're not sure you can trust this person or feel comfortable. It's not going to work the same way. Right. Some obvious red flags are they can't pay attention. Like I had a therapist once at the community college. I maybe went to her twice. And here's why. The first one was probably an assessment. And I, when I went for my session, she stopped in the middle and answered a phone, sat there and talked about the barbecue they were going to have. And this is not like late 90s, early aughts when answering the phone in the middle of things became commonplace. This was well before that. And she was answering a landline phone that was ringing in the middle of your session. And not only, hey, can I call you back? Yes, but planning your barbecue. And and I just sat there looking at her thinking, that's not going to work. That's ridiculous. And so I didn't go back to her. Right. That was a very short session. Being depressed, I didn't just get up and leave because, you know, run off and do anything in in depression. (laughs) But you, I was just very shocked. Yes. That you would do something like that. Like like you said, nowadays, I often warn people, because I have a very different type of interaction, I don't normally see people at offices, I see them at their houses, but 
I warn people ahead of time if I may need to answer the phone. Yes. I, I warn them when I first start meeting with them. I'm a parent. Sometimes the school calls me and I may need to answer the phone. In general, I don't answer the phone if we're having a meeting. However, if it's a school or if it's the babysitter, I may have to answer the phone. Or on a certain day, if I'm waiting for a phone call from a doctor. Right. I will tell them when I go into the session, hey, I'm waiting for this phone call from a doctor. And if the doctor calls, I'd like to stop for a moment and address that because you know how hard it is to get a hold of a doctor on that. Go, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they understand that. And because I'm, I'm going to their houses, it's a different milieu. I'm still ethically, I'm professional, but it's a little more relaxed and it's a little more personal. And so me having those normal responsibilities uh-huh. is often welcomed right? as a, you know, oh, this is another person we're letting come in and help us, not just some professional. Not just some dude from the government yeah. said we need to see. Yeah. If you're talking to the therapist and... They're trying to steer you in a different direction. That is not what you're talking about. That would be a red flag. Mm-hmm. Do they want to help me? Do I feel like they're here with me because they want to help me? Right. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes help is not going to be comfortable, but you still need to feel like it's right. You know, sometimes there are going to be uncomfortable things to deal with or things that are going to be a challenge to work through. Typically, if people are going to therapy... It's because whatever they're going there for is even more uncomfortable not dealing with it than it is to go ahead and deal with it. Right. So, but I also, I, I often go over that disclosure as well. This may not be fun. <laughs> Hopefully it will be effective. Yes. So you did get meds. I did get meds. In grad school, because half of your classmates were on it, as we said 10 minutes ago. Right. And I remember that whole process, even though it was over 20 years ago. Okay. In that the decision making, the the long process of deciding, I think I want to do this. Do I want to do this? What's that going to be like? How am I going to feel? And, you know, how is that chemical going to make me feel? And then finally deciding and getting the meds and being very surprised how helpful they were. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people who, and it may just be the the people that I choose to interact with and the people that I choose to follow, but I've heard a number of people say like they didn't realize how helpful it would be because they didn't know that there was that level of functionality to be had. Like they thought they were doing good until they had this and they were like, oh, what? Is this what normal people feel like? Yeah, it was real eye-opener. That's. I'm glad you could have that. Yeah. And I was still in school, so once I got a job, I had to get my meds otherwise dished out. And here's another example of what you don't want from therapy or a provider is somebody who is asking you questions in a direction that you're not comfortable with, and it seems to be for their own curiosity or satisfaction or voyeurism or something. And that was the doctor that you saw to get your meds when you first got out of school and had to pay for them yourself. Yeah, she was very unpleasant to deal with. And I was thinking, this is not this is not need to be discussed right now. The the but, meds are not for dealing with your trauma. The therapy was for dealing with your trauma. Yes. The meds are for dealing with your chemicals. Yes. She doesn't need to ask you all about your trauma. And she doesn't need to know any details. And I was I was not pleased with that, but I needed my meds. So I put up with her for the what whatever amount of minutes I had to deal with her and got my meds and did not go back to her. Right. I had spent 
plenty of time just spending days and weeks trying to cope through my depression. Right. Just trying to stay with your nose above water until it goes away. Right. Until you get through it or something. And then eventually you would it would get better, but it would get worse again. Mm-hmm. It would come back. And I no longer had to do that. The first thing I noticed, because I took it in the, like, you know, I got it, finally got the prescription in the middle of the day. And you have to take certain meds with food. You have mm-hmm. to, you know, they'll give you a stomach ache. Right. So I took the meds and I usually was tired in the afternoon. Uh-huh. And because I was in graduate school and I had an odd work schedule, I could usually lay down and take a nap. And I didn't need one. I was awake and I didn't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> that that was the that was the kicker. Yeah. I didn't mind being awake. And I thought, whoa, what's going on here? This right? is very interesting. That's wild. Yeah. I remember that feeling. Huh. So so I've I've had these meds a long time. I have this some medications, including this one, seem to have this pattern for some people where after you take them for a long time, they don't work as well. You build up a tolerance to them. So I have gone off of them a couple times. Uh-huh. The first time I went off of them, life was going well and I didn't have to worry about that. And so I didn't take them for a while. And then when life got much more difficult again, I, I needed them and I took them again. The next time I didn't take them, they weren't working. And so the doctor I was seeing tried a few other things, mm-hmm. all of which were complete disasters. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then after that trial period, I'd been off of my original meds for a little while and I went back on them. And then they worked better than they had before you went off They, of they worked like they had before. They worked fine. Did your need for meds change when you went through menopause? I, I couldn't say because there was an insurance problem going on and that was overriding the problem. Yeah, but that was only like two weeks out of uh, months it, and months of menopause before you started transition. I went to the kinesiologist to get other help for that. Yes. So I really couldn't say. Okay. Dunno. You had other support for your hormones and so you couldn't tell if that was affecting your brain chemistry or not. Hormones were affecting my brain chemistry. Oh, yes. I mean, absolutely. (laughs) But in such a way that it was affecting your meds and their functioning or not. Not that I know of. Okay. And then transition. I'm not surprised to still have depression. No. But I I would say there is some different things going on because I don't have that underlying grief or sadness about my person, my presentation, being able to have the correct gender in place. So I don't have that to worry about. I don't have the I'm depressed and. Right. Because as I got older, I disliked my body more and more and more. So I don't have that. Yeah, you said that body dysphoria was the thing that really kicked you over the edge in deciding to transition for reals this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's not there underneath it all, like digging the bottom out of the pool, making it even lower that depression can push you. No, but the depth is still there. Yeah. It's not a pool, it's just a journey to the center of the earth. Oh, then yeah. you end up on Mars in a different universe. Uh-huh. Where okay. there's what was that thing in, in Shield? The big bobby shadowy thing that we Oh, the the monolith. Yeah, that thing. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit like that. Right. Yeah. So where the monolith swallows you and it's like a black hole and it puts you in the wrong place. Uh-huh. That still happens, but I still have this little bit of gladness on the side about my transition. That's good. Yeah. I know the gladness is there and I can't reach it. (laughs) 
but it's there. Like there's awareness of the the depression weights are on your ankles, but there's a floaty over there, and you know that it's there, and you can't quite reach it, but you know that there's a floaty over there. Yeah, and the weights are too heavy on your ankles. The floaty's not going to keep you up far enough. The new meds have cut some of those weights. The increased meds. Yes, you're you're getting there. Yes, I'm getting there. And after I'm on the meds for a while, I should be there. How long was this? Like in hindsight, now that you're coming out of it. Can you recall when it started that it really... I cannot yet recall. Okay. You you can't... No. In hindsight, yet identify the beginning of this depressive episode. I can't. I just know the moment I recognized I had been pushed over the edge by stress. Uh-huh. Too much stress. The last over the edge sent me to anxiety and I ended up having, having to add some anxiety meds, which is very, very unusual for me. Uh-huh. I've only ever needed them short term, which is... I mean, depression and anxiety are kind of two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that can happen to a lot of people, but it used to happen to me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I would have an equal amount of anxiety to the depression, yes. which was even less fun than the bottomless black hole is all by itself. Yeah. I would have these panic attacks and wake up early, early, early in the morning. Okay. And I hated that because I'd wake up in the anxiety to realize I was still in the black hole. Not good. No. And when you have the anxiety and the depression, you're going down the black hole like a runaway elevator that catches on things and you know it's going to drop again. Uh Uh-huh. So it's like an extra Uh, ride of horror. (laughs) Yeah, so I'd wake up in a panic and Uh. then realize I was awake. And really, really didn't want to be. And I remember you getting anxiety meds last year when circumstantial anxiety was also kicking your butt. It really was. There was no more practical route, at least not that had been tried. No, and you were I, I tried everything. doing therapy for that anxiety and that. I was, but there was more anxiety that, than the, that could be handled by yes. the other things. Yes. Just like this depression has Absolutely. been. Absolutely. Yeah. In my observation, I think this was an exponential increase of your depression starting last year. Like it started to go down a little and a little. And you know how exponential curves go. Not very steep until they start to curve and then they get steeper and steeper and steeper. That's how it felt. And so I think it was starting to push you down with the circumstances and the situations last year that were really stressing both of us out. But then when the situation started to resolve, my depression resolved and yours just, you've got the brain chemistry that it had already started to cycle and it was just going to push you down. That's possible. Your resilience is quite different. I also don't have chronic depression, at least not that I know of. (laughs) You don't. I don't. Once we came to that realization that this is what it was a couple weeks ago, I realized that over all this time that you've been struggling with this increasing depression, you have been doing all the right things. And I cannot be more impressed with that. And I hope that I express that as often as I should or as often as you deserve to hear it because you have been staying more active as you've been more depressed because, you know, there are behavioral strategies that can help alleviate some symptoms. And you've been trying every single one of these that you can, and you have been using as much energy as you can possibly muster to try and engage with as many of these strategies as you can. And as I also pointed out to you, I do, I did already have some meds on board. Yes. So that did help me do those things. Oh, absolutely. But I do have a lot of practice at doing the thing anyway. Yes. 
So I have that momentum. And I am aware, like the other day, I took a day off for self-care. And that's how I got to do the day before, because I, I didn't know when the meds were going to happen. And I just said, okay, I'll take tomorrow off. Right. This is an illness. I will stay home sick. You will. And I think that's that's very good I also good of was you. feeling a little under the weather with my sinuses, but not nearly as much as my depression. Yes. And I know better than to just sit here. Right. So I didn't. I did things at the house that were household projects uh-huh. that were productive and kept me from thinking too much. Good job. Thank you. See, and like I said, I find that really impressive because I know like last year when I was depressed, and again, this is the difference between chronic depression and situational depression. Like I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to- the depression. Yes. Yes. <laughs> didn't want to breathe, sometimes literally. Yep. And like it was the cognitive equivalence of pulling teeth- to drag myself to the gym two or three times a week. And I remember how hard that was, but also how necessary it was. And so when I see you still just keeping up with walking every day and eating healthy as you can and skipping, you know, you've quit having your evening beer and yeah, not every day, on, but a lot. Even on weekends. Yeah. And, you know, all of these things that are admittedly not going to address the depression, but can help with some symptoms, and you're still just chugging away at it, that is incredibly impressive to me. I'm glad. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. So do you suppose we'll shut up now? <laughs> <laughs> that can be it. All right. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! Do you need to review notes with us, or do you know what we're talking about? We're talking about depression, which every time I say that word or think that word, because I do think in words lately, I think lately? it every time I say that word lately, oh. whether it's aloud or in my thinking voice. Yes, but then you said, I think in words lately. No, I- But you had it in the wrong order. I did have it in the wrong okay. order. Okay. <laughs> Anytime I say the word depression, I, I hear it in, do you remember Fiddler on the Roof? Tradition, tradition, depression. <laughs> In my head. It's kind of terrible. It's a music person thing. <laughs> it is. Isn't it's it? really terrible. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I don't care. I'm glad. It's kind of like that little cartoon you sent. Be enthusiastic in the new year. Depression! <laughs> Are we ready? Probably. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. You are welcome to clarify any time that I am starting to say something. <laughs>
It, it seems to confuse both of us, though. Well, a lot of the time I'm starting a sentence in the hopes that you will pick it up and run with that idea. You know, that I, I start... If you did that, I would understand. Oh, I if have you, to do the motion. If you did I a motion. Use, I can't use the words. I have to give you the visual. I'm listening <laughs> oh to the God. words, trying to understand where you're going with this. Because you're not indicating your turn <laughs> by stopping. No, because in my family, nobody stopped. Everybody just kept talking, and we kept listening while we were talking. I'm coming to understand a lot of things that I didn't understand before. As we've struggled through the past year and a half, we've come to a lot of realizations about each other and about the best ways to interact with each other that we've had to come to these realizations. Like, we could float float by, skate past them before, but now we have to really engage more conscientiously with one another, and we're figuring these things out. Yeah. I think it's good to understand, you know? I, I If you have any boundaries. Well, <laughs> I was about to say, I have exceedingly minimal, a very wide gauge cognitive filter. <laughs> yes. I can catch the giant things. The giant, like, big red the rubber. The flying house? The flying house. The, yes. The, the master's TARDIS is not going to slip through there. Um, the giant red rubber playground balls are not going to slip through there. The golf balls might... It's not a coffee filter. It's more of a tennis racket. Maybe. <laughs> Football net. Soccer net. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> or uh. Spence. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. <laughs> Me too. I, I, like I said, the meds are, are much are helping. better. They're yes. helping. At least not that I know of. You don't. I don't. I've never wanted to die for more than a few weeks at a time. There you have it. <laughs> The unofficial route to diagnosing your depression. <laughs> oh my god, I wasn't even thinking of that. I was just being a smartass. Yes. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs>